It's an exciting day. Let's pray together. Shall we pray? God, we just thank you, Lord, for our chance here to meet together, Lord. Oh, God, we don't take that for granted, God. We love your house, Father, and we love your spirit, Lord. There's nothing like it, God. Only you can work the miracles that you do, God. Only you can give the testimonies you've given, Father. And, and Lord, as we approach your word right now, Father, we just come with open hearts, Lord. Any remaining walls, Father, we just ask you, just, just knock them down right now, Father. We come humbly, Father. We don't know what to do, God. Only you know. Your ways are higher than our ways, Lord. Help us understand them, Father. Help us, teach us how to be obedient to them, God. Amen. Grab a seat. The neck on this is starting to get a bit wobbly. So um, I'm going to try not to fidget. I'm a chronic fidgeter, I'm sure you'd have noticed. So like when something's off, I just need to like keep pushing it. Now it's wobbly. All I want to do is wobble it. Um, anyway, I'll do better. How is it being back? Good? All right. A lot to process. I can hear your brains processing it right now. <laughs> oh, the worship kind of hit me, to be honest. Like I found kind of surprised me like I know with my words I've said I'm eager to be back but when the worship was happening I just felt myself crying I was like what's this water coming from my eyes you know <laughs> it's how men act towards it you know ah, oh, you know God's people were like what we have been enduring in terms of lockdown that ultimately is of course not God's intention and that's not going to happen in heaven in heaven, there will be complete freedom. There won't be any more sickness. Like we have, I, I want everybody here to at least acknowledge at some level, we have endured some stuff over the past couple of years. And we have endured things that as a church, it's not, a, it's not exactly the way we're supposed to do things. And I know online has been great and we've managed to get by and we've been resilient and that's great. The church should be like that. But it is so much better to worship here together with you today. Oh, I'm so grateful for that. Anyway, just wanted to say that before I got started. I haven't had any of that here. Um, all right. I feel like I start all my sermons this way, but just go with me. As a kid, so yesterday, for some of you, like, you're a kid now. Anyway, as a kid... We had about 30 VCRs in my home growing up. Now, in case you don't know what a VCR is, that's an old people word for a Blu-ray disc. And then if you don't even know what that is, I'm talking about, you know, the OG Netflix, all right, for the very young people here. Anyway, one of the VCRs that we had was called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Who's watched this show before? Oh, man, you guys are old. <laughs> oh. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was, of course, a flying car which had been Frankensteined together by an eccentric inventor named Caraticus Potts. What a great title. What a great name, Caraticus Potts. This invention, this invention looked marvelous on the outside, but from the inside, from inside the engine came a dubious noise from which this film's title is derived. And uh, you know I love to sing in my sermons, right? I'm going to give it a red-hot go, people. It's been a while, though, since I've sung. I can't even... Um, anyway, let's just give it a go. All right, so it goes, 
Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Oh, you. Pretty chitty bang bang, pretty chitty bang bang. We love you and our chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty chitty bang bang loves us too. Near far, get over that car. What a happy time we spent. Bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Our fight. Forfended friend, bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, our fine forfended, chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, chitty bang bang, yeah. Ah, oh, I'm so glad I've got that off my chest. I knew that was coming. I'm just going to wear my heart out for you today. You know, my rainbow shoes, my singing, let's just go with all of it. All right. Now, I also prepared another artwork for today's little talk, sermon. There you go. All right. I wanted to prepare an artwork for today, and I want, I want to do this more moving forward. And this was me reflecting um, over the last, reflecting upon the last couple of years, especially the last few months. And the images that flew into my mind were that of a broken down car with a flaming smoking hood like an abject object. It's been gutted. It's pitiful. It's had the legs cut out from it. And there's fire in its belly, but it's burnt out. There's smoke arising as if in a cry for help. It's capable of carrying weight, but the wheels are gone. They've been stolen. And yet upon closer inspection, there's something peculiar going on in the background. Rising behind is an enormous wing, an angel of phoenix, a transfiguration of sorts. Now, there's a lot to unpack in what I just spoke about. Let's start by talking about drive. That's what I really want to talk about first, the word drive. I feel like, I feel like churches, you know, they have these words that we use regularly, like motivating words, and it's good, it's great. Um, momentum's one, drives another, you know, calling. Personally, I'm known for my hyper-focus. I'm known for drive. Actually, the first time I think Pastor Jason, the senior pastor of City Church, ever took notice of me was when I was playing him at squash. Sandy will like that. You're a squash player. <laughs> I was playing him at squash, and he felt the full force of my drive as I kept thrashing him. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> That's when he first kind of stood up and took notice. Likewise, I'm driven in my work. Um, right now, actually, I've because of that drive, I've been given the opportunity uh, to be, um, I should have brought an image, to be working on a project to revitalize Campbelltown CBD. Since we're all locals, if you've ever walked through the CBD of Campbelltown, you know it's sorely needed. It needs that. And it's drive that gave that opportunity. It's an anointing, but it's also drive. Drive can be an amazing thing. Drive builds cities. It builds spaceships. It demolishes whole mountains. People's drive and it harmonizes orchestras. Here's something for you to think about. What's your drive? What's your personal drive? What drives you? And then as I, as I, after that question, I want to ask you a follow-up question. What's the drive of mankind as a whole? 
you know, would have a driver's City Church, would have a driver's MacArthur. All these things are going somewhere. Where's mankind going? And what happens, I wonder as well, when all of that drive screams to a halt, arrested, locked down, made to lie beside still waters? Within the promised land metaphor, Christians talk about the promised land a lot. It's the place that God promised for his people. Within that metaphor, it's basically a big metaphor. Actually happened, but it's also a metaphor for Christian living. And we're given two examples of drive in the form of the leaders that took God's people into the promised land. They took God's people into the promises. Two different kinds of leaders here. Their names are, pop quiz, Moses and Joshua. Yeah, that's one. Who, who do, took the, to the promised land in the first instance? Abraham. Abraham. So I'm going to talk about a couple of their, their different drives and maybe they'll resonate with you. I believe that Abraham struggled with selfishness when he first encountered God. And let me explain to you why I think that is. When Abraham first encountered God, God actually convinced Abraham to follow him with a promise, something that Abraham wanted. He said, if you follow me, I will give you a child. See, Abraham had been unable to have a child before that time. He'd never heard about this God. You know, the, the Bible that you read and that you connect with God didn't exist for Abraham. And so God revealed and spoke to him and he said, if you follow me, if you leave behind your old life, your pagan ways, I will give you a child. And yet something about that was still for Abraham, right? It was still something that he was going to get for himself. I'll add to my case that a bit later, when he was put in a difficult situation, he actually asked his wife to pretend to be his sister in order that, and I quote, it might go well for him. That challenges me. Those, those words challenge me. Like... This is the man of God. I, I Don't get me wrong, I love Abraham. He's an amazing man. We would not be here. He is a forefather of the faith. And yet he went on a transformation like all of us go on a transformation. Sometimes I think with our, in our heart, we might have even stepped out with God on a promise. We might have headed towards the promised land and yet faced with a circumstance, we might still get back to that point of crossing moral lines so that it might go well for us, of losing the trust and doing what, trying to take control for ourselves, trying to control the circumstance instead of releasing to God, instead of wholeheartedly trusting. That's the promise. The promise comes when we wholeheartedly trust. Mark 8, 36 says this, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the world and lose his own soul? As a husband, I've got to tell you, what would it profit me? What could I profit having lost the trust of my wife in that circumstance? Should not the husband, like Jesus, for the church lay their life down? It's not about what will go well for us, just for you. There's a bigger picture here. It's a bigger picture. The world actually doesn't get 
to steal our faith. The world doesn't get to steal our homes, our families, our marriages. They're still going to put you in situations like this where they're going to ask you to give up on the promise that's going to rely on us to trust deeply. And I know this is a bit intense maybe to come back after a lockdown and talk about these things, but isn't this what we're going through right now? I think a lot of people right now could do with a little bit more trust in God, a little bit more walking in the promises of God. And this isn't just once as well. I want to, for those that know their Bible well, you'll know that there was a moment when someone came in to inspect God's people's land. They came in and inspected the temple and they, the leaders of that time just let them walk straight through. And guess what happened then? Those people came in. God said, because you did that, because you didn't keep my things sacred and safe, because you didn't uphold them, he actually let those things get stolen by that pagan nation. We as a church, we, we hold things of great value. We do. I don't think that we necessarily always treat those things as valuable as what they are. I don't want to see all of the things that we work, the treasures that we work as a, as a church to build up. You know, I don't want to see the enemy getting anywhere near those things. And when I talk about those things, again, I want to reiterate, I'm talking very practically here about your marriages. I'm talking about your homes. I'm talking about the generations here. I do not want to see those things getting stolen by the enemy. And if you look around you, if you look at the church, things have been stolen. Grandchildren, people's hearts have been distracted. Anyone whose child has ever walked away from God would know how precious, how much we need to protect these things. I don't want to see people falling away from their salvation. I want to talk about Joshua. I hadn't planned on talking about that for that long, but let's keep going. I want to talk to you about Joshua, a different kind of leader. I'd say if Moses was prophecy, then Joshua was like a spirit of evangelism. He just walked. Moses prepared the way. He spent 40 years doing the work. He held a shepherd's staff. Remember? He was doing the work of a shepherd. He was building things in the people. He was encouraging them. They grumbled. They kicked and screamed when God tried to lead them. And he held the shepherd's staff and he held it solid. And they walked and they followed the cloud that was in the sky. They followed God's leadership through a difficult time. We think that we're in a difficult time. 40 years in the desert, that's, that's pretty difficult. And he held that staff and he walked them and he led them. And then comes Joshua. Another, the name, another version of Jesus itself. Moses did that 40 years of work to prepare people for the promised land. He himself did not even get to walk in. What a leader. What a selfless leader. Joshua comes along and he gets to finally do what Moses had wanted to and cross that threshold into something new. And this is what Pastor Jason's been talking about. If you've been following on the Sunday morning streams, he's been talking about this he believes that this is prophetic over our current season, about a new, a new season, about back into the promises, staying in that promised land. But Joshua was a different kind of leader again. Where Moses had held the shepherd's staff, Joshua actually held a spear. 
And I believe that that's talking about a different kind of spirit. It's a spirit of evangelism. And I want to see that rising up in this place. I want to see that during prayer meeting, it was so clear to me, the difference there, that there's a time for the prophecy. There's the time for the building. There's the time for that, all of the infrastructure work. And then there is a time to just walk in it, to have not disregarded it to have not have thought of ourselves as small and without value like the Israelites, to stay in our slavery, to think of ourselves as grasshoppers. Oh, the world is bigger. Oh, if my job tells me not to say those things, I have to do that because I'll get fired, you know? I've felt those things within my own self. But can we, the church, be silenced? Uh, yeah, that, that is an ironic thing to ask and then have silence, isn't it? <laughs> we, the church, can't be silenced. I'm not going to ask a question. I'm going to make a statement. We, the church, can't be silenced. You know, I had a dream just a couple of days ago. I'm not even going to preach what I had. That's fine. I had a dream a couple of days ago, and it's been a recurring dream, not only for myself, but also for Pastor Cherie. Dreams about demonic forces that when we try to cast them out in the dream, they try to stop us from speaking. They try and hold our mouths shut. Is this not what we see in the physical world around us? Once upon a time, I've got to tell you, once upon a time, all the social services, you know who funded them? You know who ran them? Who administered them? That was the church. And the government, the government has essentially tried to take the church out of the running of social services. But to whom, to whom knows about the kingdom best? Who knows about the moral fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the actual true healing. When someone needs true healing, I've seen, I've gone, I've looked at the social services now. I work in community work myself, so I work with a lot of people in that space. And I've got to tell you that there is, they are beating their head against the wall. There is futility there. They are taking all this money and getting none of the results because there's no truth in it. There's no Jesus in it. There's no power behind it. I, I, when I was doing work in the prisons, I had them, people saying to me, they're never going to change. Their parents were bad. These kids are bad. Their kids will be bad. Those were staff saying that. I'm telling you, I'm going to say it again. What we have here in the church, the hope that we have, is of immense value. And we cannot let that get stolen and we cannot look down on it. There is value in this place. There is value. When I talk about the spirit of evangelism, I want to expand on that too. Because I'm not talking about attacking people. I'm not saying, hey, we the church are better than... That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm saying that when you testify, when you share the word of God, when you just speak it out, and when you test, just give your testimony, just talk about the truth of God, and you will, they, the enemy will try and silence you if you do that. The enemy does not like that, but the truth of the matter is that little by little, the enemy will be driven back by the Word of God and by Jesus' name. That will. I'm going to read you. I want to rise up this spirit of evangelism in this place, this Joshua. I want to rise that up in this place, and I'm going to read you the, the promise that God gave to Joshua, Deuteronomy 7, 22 to 23. Write it down if you've got a pen. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. Not might. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you, but little by little. And that's the catch. That's the hard part. 
Sometimes we want those instant miracles. Sometimes you speak the Word of God into a friend's life or even an enemy's life, and it just appears to bounce off. The Lord of God will, will drive out those nations before you little by little. And that's not kicking someone out necessarily. That's not attacking people once again. See, what will happen is either that person will be healed, either their heart will come back to God. And we saw that when Joshua went into the, when Joshua went into the promised land and he marched forth with his spear out, we saw transformations happening. One of whom was Jesus' great-great-great-great-grandmother Rahab. When you speak out the truth of God, the fruit of the Spirit, hearts will either be healed, transformed, or they'll be so uncomfortable with hearing the truth that they'll retreat. And that's all right too. At the end of the day, making people uncomfortable should not be the stopping block for us. Continue to speak the truth of God. Don't let someone take that from you. Don't let someone silence that in you. I always love Joshua 24, 13. One of my favorite verses. I gave you a land for which you did not toil and cities you did not build. See, I, talk, I spoke about drive a second ago. How we drive for things. You know, a part of me always wants to drive to buy a home. You know, I'm in that season of my life. Drive to progress in, in career, drive to do or anything you want to do. Travel the world, I don't know. Whatever your drive is, there's a part of us that just wants to do that. But I love Joshua 24, 13 because what it says to me is that doing things in our own strength is not the answer. Because God gave them the land for which they did not toil. 40 years they labored in the desert, got no closer. They worked through some things internally, yes. But when they came into the promised land, they immediately inherited the cities. They immediately owned it in Jesus' name. I wonder, like if you really were evaluating this for yourself, if you're really going to look into yourself here, your inner world, are you trusting God that he will get you to those places? Are you letting him determine your steps? Are you asking, Lord, what's the next step I should take? Or are you kind of maybe driving yourself? Because I can tell you around COVID, when all of these things stopped, a lot of people came face to face with the futility of their drive. People lost work. People lost businesses. People lost a lot. A lot of people, you know, suicide rate went up. People were struggling because they realized the futility of their drive. But here we're talking about a different kind of drive. Here we're talking about a promise. Here we're talking about God will go before you. God has a good plan for you. He has promises for you. He will see them through. Okay, the other thing I want to talk about, I'm just, you'll have to excuse me. I'm just not going to go with a lot of what I prepped. I'm going to go to Psalm 104 because I just felt as the worship was on that it was really important to talk about. It says, God makes the clouds his chariot. <laughs> Do you love that image? That's powerful. 
makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. And there's another verse I didn't include in there, which says, he makes the waters a foundation, the beam, the foundation of his secret chamber. And that's the one that I just like, it it personally hit me, but I didn't know it was for us. But during the worship, I just felt like I needed to talk about it. Because how many of you would want to buy a piece of real estate where the waters are the foundation? Does not make a lot of sense. But this is the God we are talking about. And I've got to tell you, in times of uncertainty like this, and this is why I'm bringing this up, because I felt, I felt like this is what you need to hear, that there is uncertain times right now, there will be in the future, I believe. I believe we're just at the start of things to come for end of days. And it's going to feel sometimes like our foundation is water, and it's going to look impossible. But Jesus walked on water, yep. And God's foundation, God can make water his foundation. You know, he's that powerful. He's that strong. Even when it feels like the things underneath you are falling out, you just got to trust. God's going to hold that foundation for you. He is going to get us through this season. I felt like we've been wrestling with each other, church, today. I don't know if you're feeling that. I'm feeling that. I hope you know that my heart is to see MacArthur one for Jesus. It always has been. I know that so many of us feel that. I believe that so much of what we have been praying for, for years, some of the people in this space have been praying for decades. And I believe we're going to see it. I believe we're seeing it now and it doesn't look like what we imagined. And that's hard to grapple with. That's hard. (laughs) doesn't look as maybe nice as what we thought, but but I hope that you've still got the hope in you. Here, let me read one thing. This is about hope now. Isaiah 60, so beautiful. All right, I'm just going to read it all, and then, and then you can make of it what you will, but it's just so nice. Arise. Shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord. This is about the church. This is about you. Arise, shine, for your light. You can stand to your feet. There we go. We can all literally arise. And shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. Maybe you're experiencing that. That's what I see happening in the world around us. Darkness covering the earth, thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and His glory shall be seen within you, upon you. Nations shall come to the light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes. Why say lift? Because our eyes were downcast. Maybe you're feeling that today. Lift up your eyes and see they all gather together. They're gathering together. God's people are gathering together. They are coming to you. And then you shall see and you shall be radiant. The darkest darkness in the church starts, we are radiant. We are a light. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. (laughs) Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you and the wealth of the nation shall come to you. 
They shall be, and this is where it gets really interesting. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, complete trust, complete submission. And I will beautify, beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? What we are seeing here is a final transfiguration of the church into the image of Jesus himself. Where do we see golden frankincense referred to? The birth of Jesus. What is being birthed here is the image of Jesus in the church. Where do we see those that fly like a cloud? How did God lead his people through the arid lands? In a cloud. And now we are becoming as like God. Where do we see the dove to the window when new life was coming for Noah? When all was lost, but new life was still there. I tell you, there's new life here. There's new life in this place. But God has not changed. And what I actually, what I wanted to call out today for those, I'll get you to close your eyes. What I'd wanted to call out from those that are willing only, those that know they have the gift of evangelism. Can you raise your hand? Yep. See that? Lastly, those that would like the gift of evangelism, be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Awesome. See those hands too. I just want to pray for you. Because I believe that this is the season that the evangelist needs to stop grumbling and they actually need to start flowing into the promised land. They need to start leading people back. They need to start calling people back to the church. Let me pray for you. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for your word, Lord. It's bigger than us, Lord. Lord, you said that we'll either break ourselves against us, against it or it'll crush us, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that we might acknowledge our brokenness right now, Father. I pray, Lord, for the beautiful gift of evangelism on people's life, Lord. I pray that those soldiers, Lord, might be coming into a new season, Father, when they can feel refreshed, Father, and confident, Father, in what you're doing. Open their eyes right now, Jesus. Open their eyes, Father, to the value of them, Father, to the value of your church, Lord, your church. Lord, we know, we know you're going to drive it back, Father. We know you're going to claim this world, that heaven will intervene. Lord, use them, Father. Use the evangelists powerfully, Father. I pray that their testimonies will never depart their lips, that your word will never depart their thoughts, that your prayers will never depart them as well, Father. They will be like a cloud amongst them, Father. There will be an atmosphere to them, Father, that people want to follow, Father. Lord, let not the grumbling of yesterday and the arid lands invade your kingdom, Father, your church. We know it can't. Let us not frustrate our own selves, Father. Let us walk into there, Father. Let us boldly claim what we were too scared to yesterday, Father. Amen. Let's praise God, church.